This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA. The ticket online at WTKA.com. And, of course, we are also uh, online, on live on the stream, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. Love to join our people uh, on the stream as well, like we do every single week on the MGO Blog Roundtable. And joining me, as they do every week, our good friends from MGO Blog, starting off. With the guy that started it all, the MGO blog, our good friend Brian Cook, BC, how are you? I am quite well. Yeah, I bet. I bet things are, are great over on the blog these days, right? I'm sure our, your good friend, your partner, your co- colleague, Seth Fisher, can speak to that thing's good on the blog. Okay, oh, everything's Seth. good on the blog. Everything inside my house is awful. We got, we got some sort of awful flu, which if that was the trade-off for, the, uh, for Saturday, I'll take it a hundred times, but... Uh, yeah, man, just getting over something pretty gnarly. <laughs> All right, and then, of course, the venerable Craig Ross, who we were talking to before you guys came on. You said this is up there with the – you can't surpass the 69 game for you, but it's it's up there, right? Yeah, it's one of the top two or three for me. Uh, Michigan-Ohio State games, very satisfying. I apologize to anyone who takes anything I t- uh, anything I say seriously on my pick last week, which was wretched, and uh, and uh, congratulate Seth for almost picking the score right. So, good job. Wow, Seth. so D-Tuck said, look at Brian smiling. They, this is like a landmark event. They're, they're, they're saying, Brian, the Wolverines made you smile. Take me through your take on last week's beatdown, evisceration, the emasculating of Ohio State. That's what we saw last week. Well, usually I try to come here and offer some sort of analysis that isn't blindingly obvious, but that's not really possible. You all saw what happened. Jim Knowles comes out and he's like, well, what we need to do is we need to be maniacally aggressive and there will be no downsides to this. It'll be fine. And there's this sort of um, idea percolating through the Ohio State people in the aftermath of the game that it will like, oh, it's just five plays. Ohio State dominated 98, 90% of the rest of the game. Well, why did you dominate 90% of the rest of the game? Was it because Michigan was trying to run and you were in zero coverage? All right. Well, when they went play action once, one time, one time, 75-yard touchdown on the first play of the drive. Like, And you're putting Cam Martinez out there. You're putting your backup safety on Cornelius Johnson, and you have nobody deep. Like, everybody saw what happened. You saw Rantham uh, – <laughs> Latham Ransom have one of the worst games I've ever seen a safety play. And they put so much on his plate and he failed on all three of Michigan's last three touchdowns. And it's, uh, I have no idea how you could look at your secondary and think that you're going to get away with it. If you're Illinois, you got Devin Witherspoon who can make up for a lot of different problems. Yeah, you can, you can run that. But I think they saw the Illinois defense and they're like, we can do that. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't. You got a transfer from Oklahoma State in there. You got a couple average corners. You got you got safeties who don't know what they're doing. And you're going to play zero all day against Michigan. You know, JJ beat you. You made JJ beat you. And there he goes. And the thing about the, the five plays narrative is not like any of those plays were, you know, dimes to guys who were double covered, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's like people people in the analytics community are looking at the Ohio State success rate and they're comparing it to the Michigan success rate and being like, well, if these teams played, I think uh, you know we'd still favor Ohio State, but 
you know, I think that's missing the forest for the trees here, right? Like if you look at the way Michigan approached this game, they were like, I see that Ohio State has the number 112 power success rate in America, worse than Colorado State. So they don't have third and two like Michigan has third and two, you know? When they have third and two, what are they going to do? They're going to throw the ball. They're going to pitch it outside to a 230-pound running back because they have absolutely no confidence in their ability to pick up two yards when they need it. So Michigan's right. going to sit back. They're going to let you get in third and short, and then Ryan Day is going to punt because <laughs> his team is soft. That is the way in which they're soft. It's not like they're, you know, they're not working hard or they're good players or they're going to go to the NFL, but he has built an offense that cannot convert third and short on the ground. And so if you bend but don't break them, and Alex, uh, one of our analysts, had an absolutely great take on Ohio State this whole month where it's like if you make them drive the field, eventually that third down weakness is going to catch up with them, and that's what happened. And so they get three points in the second half, and you're talking about, well, it's only five plays. You scored three points in the second half. You scored 23 points, and that wasn't because of you know Michigan's offense, right? That was because what you did. And they had a lot of they had a lot of yards in this this game, but most of them were hollow. You know, they're getting twenty yards and then having to punt. Or late in the game, Michigan's just letting them have it because they want to run clock. So if you look at the underlying numbers, it doesn't look like this was a blowout. But if you actually watch this game and you see how this game developed, it was a blowout. And Michigan deserved every single one of those long touchdowns. They earned them, and they weren't hard. They weren't. Hard. Donovan Edwards' first 75-yard touchdown, the guys that need to get blocked to get a gap in the line are linebackers because Jim Knowles has a three-man line out there. And he's slanting his nose tackle away from Zach Zinter. So the guy, what what happens is, you know, the nose tackle goes away and Olu doesn't chase him because he's Olu Oluwatimi. And you're like trying to fool Michigan center so that Tommy Eichenberg can get a free run and then he gets blocked and then Zinter just kicks his guy out and then it's no chance. What are you doing? That is a Big 12 play call. You know, that that is a play call you get away with in the Big 12. Yeah, so let me give let me give Olu his flowers a little more on that play. <laughs> because that was excellent. Excellent. Olu Olu Atimi made that play and he made it with the call. And I can't take credit for noticing this because I'm not an offensive coordinator. But Al Borger said Olu Olu Atimi he, he made a triple call on that play. I said, well, what's the triple call? Uh, he said, they zoned off the backside. And he said, they, they must know something's coming when 33 is in the game and in that alignment. He said, because that wasn't the blocking scheme that they had in this play. But because they zoned it off, they were able to pick up Eichenberg. He said, when you know movement is coming, he said, ideally, you want to come off the ball and be moving upfield. This moves more sideways when, when you zone it off on the backside. But he said, Someone at Michigan, either either Olu was just that perceptive or Michigan just scouted the hell out of him or both, but he made a call on that play to pick up Eichenberg. So I had, let me see what you know what you're talking so, about, Al. I mean, he is, absolutely did. I, I asked around, and that's exactly what he did. They had, they had figured out from watching Ohio State on film when Eichenberg, Eichenberg's a package guy. When he's in the game and he's in that alignment, you're going to get movement. So, Olu taps Trevor Keegan on the side and says, I don't know if they call it triple or not. We're zoning off the backside. And they picked up and they capped the run, just like you said, Brian, and got a touchdown off of it because Olu Oluwatimi is the best center in the country. That's some, that's some outstanding stuff, just outstanding stuff that yeah. we saw once again. Yeah, it was it was it's Sawyer that the, it was the package guy who was in there, but yeah, but like the whoever thirty three is yeah three three Jack Sawyer who's like another one of those like you know second or third overall in the country recruits, but like when Mich Michigan saw this when they went and looked at Oklahoma State's tape last year, this is what Ohio State's answer to last year was supposed to be. So last year Michigan uh, has the has a big strong line. They got Hassan Haskins. They're just running power, and Ohio State can't fix their gap because they switched to a cover two defense at the end of the year. They don't know how to like just get aggressive and get up and not tell Michigan exactly where they're going to be. So Michigan's just blowing them off the ball every single play and just shoves them down the field. So Ohio State gets down by nine last year. Michigan gets the ball with like seven minutes left. They drive the field, and by the time they're walking in for a touchdown. It's, you know, what, two minutes left or something, right? So Ohio State 
Their whole concept, the whole year at Ohio State, everyone in Columbus is on the same page. That is not happening again. So what do they do? They go out and get Jim Knowles in his Big 12 defense. And the whole concept of his defense is you line up those guys that way because you don't know who's going to be in what gap. You're trying to fool the offense, and you're saying, let's. and then you're going to get more aggressive. You're going to have guys running at gaps instead of waiting and seeing where things go. And that works against a lot of college defenses. I don't know why they thought it was going to work against Alula Timi because <laughs> Well, I mean, it does, it does yeah. work from time to time, right? Yeah. There's a lot of run plays in this game that get stuffed. Yeah, but when Michigan gets it right, it's I mean it's over because you're trying to fill gaps with guys that are just not up for it. You know they're not. I mean it's not they're bad players, but you got two linebackers trying to go up against Zinter and Olu, two first team All Big Ten guys, two guys who probably should be All Americans. And unless you get them mentally, now you're now you're in a very difficult spot. And they talk. A lot of people are talking about like how Michigan couldn't run the ball in the first half. You know, CJ Stokes had two opportunities. Thank you drive. very much. And I, uh, I, I saw your tweet because I was thinking the exact same thing at the exact same time. Because that's like they weren't they weren't zero blitz in every play, right? They're picking their spots and they think they've got a read on when Michigan is going to pass and when they're going to run. And there were opportunities for Michigan to get some things done against non-insane defenses. Those were two opportunities that they had. And the second one, I mean, that one looks like an intentional cutback to me because oh the, pa- the path of, of uh, Zinter on the pull, I mean, he picks off a guy who's already getting blocked by a tight end and you see the two Ohio state guys try. I mean, they're playing to spill, right? So it's you see, two, yeah, you see two Ohio yeah. state guys hop out there and, and you're like, and you're like, that's a real weird path for that guard to take. And then you, you kind of see what they were trying to do. And I don't think it's a cutback lane that is unexpected. Right. I think that's the design of that play. And for Michigan to block it like they did and get, what, two, three yards out of it was like, oh, God, we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a couple of footnotes, if I if I could, to, to this is um, – Last year, Michigan uh, gained 7.2 yards per rush play, an astounding amount in, in this game. This year, with the change in defense, we gained 7.2 yards per rush play. So the, in, in some context, nothing really different happened. It was just the sort of construction of the plays or the construction of the outcomes was a bit different, although we, we were more successful passing the ball this year, given, uh, given what Ohio State had done. You know, early on, it did look to me that uh, down 10-3, uh, it, and it looked like we were hanging on in the in the early part of this game early part of this game but then uh the play that uh cj breaks the uh, i think it's a 69 yard pass play is uh ohio state's got uh 10 guys at the line of scrimmage by the time the ball is snapped on that play on a third and nine it's a third and nine they've got 10 guys at the line of scrimmage on the snap and once he once and he's great at, at yards after catch and once once he catches the ball he beats the guy out there and the game all of a sudden is completely you know stabilized the the interesting thing to me was that ryan day i don't know if you noticed at halftime came out and said we're taking it to them physically and i thought that was a very a very mysterious <laughs> comment to say the least uh but that's what he said uh so anyway. I mean, often those statements are for your team, not for right. I know accuracy's purposes. Yeah, it, it was yeah. bloviating that had clearly made its way to Urban Meyer, right? Because he's he's right. talking all that same stuff in the pregame. Michigan's gonna have to show that they can get off of off of off of uh, man coverage. They got to see they show they could get off a of press and 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 Ohio State's more physical. I'm like, man, first of all, <laughs> none of this is, none of this fits what you've seen from Ohio State all season. Well, you know, they're my, they a team that gets up in you in the in the in, in stopping the run. They couldn't stop Northwestern, so all of a sudden they're going to be this physical team, uh, this, I mean, this I, press team. He had been in the building. They had been telling them what they were going to do. He brought that to the broadcast and was telling all the the analysts the same thing. Only one that wasn't listening was Charles, right? Who said this doesn't sound logical to me. And then the other thing is, I think he did. He gave him a few run plays. 
He gave him a few run plays because those those runs that they had in the first couple drives, that off balance stuff, I it, that's not I hadn't seen that from Ohio State. And that wasn't even a result of physicality. They fooled Michigan. Michigan was misaligned on all those plays. Yeah. So it's like this physical, yeah. this physical sort of narrative was garbage. They weren't out, they weren't ever out physically Michigan in that game. And when it came time to really show who was more physical, that the chickens came home to roost on that too. Well, well you get it's that, oh, go ahead, Brian. You get that second half drive, right? Where they finally get the message after Colston Loveland, a tight end. Gets open by five yards. I think he got off press coverage. Well, it wasn't press coverage, but he got off man coverage there. Um, they finally back off a little bit, and Michigan goes on a march. I mean, it's nine yards, nine yards, nine yards, five, seven, 12 yards. And it doesn't until they finally get a stuff in the, in the red zone. I mean, that looks like Michigan all year. And so what they were trying to do is they were gambling on downs that they thought they could get away with gambling on. And that's not. Out physicaling someone, right? Out physicaling someone is one on one. We got no numbers in the box, and we're still going to take you down. And they had numbers in the box all day. And what's more, like the disposition of their linebackers was insanely aggressive on a lot of plays. So the pop yeah. pass to Mullings did not need to be a trick play. <laughs> if that is straight up play action, <laughs> Schoonmaker walks into the end zone because by the time the handoff is made, 11 Ohio State players have committed to the line of scrimmage. 11 Ohio State players have committed to the line of scrimmage. So they're just asking for it. They're just asking to be taken advantage of in those ways. So it's it's a, it's a, it's a situation where they got cocky about how they were going to predict what Michigan was going to do, despite the fact that in the Ohio State game, Michigan breaks every tendency known to man. And I now, just, do you think so? D Tuck 17 asks this question or, or makes this statement, and I'm curious what you guys think about it. He said he, talking about Ryan Day, wanted to be able to address the born on third base so bad, but in the end, he couldn't. Don't you think some of this was some of this posturing was that? Yeah, I, I mean, go ahead. No, yeah, like the if if you're trying to prove that you're smart, then you're not, then you're like you're thrown to different guys. Like, so they're, what's their fourth and two play call? The one time he goes for it, because the rest of the time he punts, which is super conservative. Alex Drain, by the way, can't give him enough credit for just nailing the scout on this one. And I want to bring up another point, too, on third, uh, on a third and short earlier. But at fourth and two, what's their play? They go at Jalen Harrell, right? They're going to have the tight end uh, block and then try to go out, and they think they're just going to get Jalen Harrell because they're like, okay, I, I looked at Seth's chart, and he's the weakness, right? <laughs> I'm, not guessing this, I'm guessing this is not I how mean, it really happened, but that's that's their plan is to go after the, uh, you know, throw the ball to the tight end like that. You have Marvin Harrison, and, like, that's that's your cheat code. And how many times did they go to him? Now, they go to him once on third and short, and he makes an incredible one-handed catch when Turner's got great coverage, maybe a little pass interference as well, and he makes that great one-handed catch falling out of bounds. That was a third and short. And that was that first drive where, like, they go all the way down the field. That was another opportunity that Michigan could have knocked them off the field because they're not running. They're going for a low percentage pass on third and short. And then the other one is they, you know, the one time Michigan decides to bring a safety uh, blitz, which is, you know, I guess, we okay, Minter got cute one time. And he, they lays in an absolute perfect pass. And Harrison, you know, People want offensive pass interference, but like you're going to get away with that 100 percent of the time. There's that's then they're never going to call that. That's an NFL play made by an NFL player, and that was their cheat code. That was what was working for them. But if you look at what they tried to do all the time, they were trying to get cute. And I think it was Day. It goes back to the question you asked. Day was trying to spread the ball out to all of its guys, keep Michigan off balance. He wanted the story at the end of the day being Ryan Day game planned this win well i think they think that that fourth and two is going to be wide open mm-hmm. right i mean they they think that this is so clever and that michigan is not going to be able to anticipate it and then they're just going to need to like soft toss it for 25 yards and maybe that's what happened in practice because this defense you run that play against jim Knowles' defense <laughs> yeah he's probably wide open for 25 <laughs> yards but michigan is more disciplined than that they they don't just tear hell for leather they actually make their reads so Jalen Harrell is nominally beat on that play but if he's not there I think that throw is complete 
because he, yeah, he, yeah. he knocks the oh, ball up and he's going to catch it if he's if Harold doesn't tackle him. Yeah, the coverage is plausible. One of the interesting things is that um, at halftime, Meyer comes out and he almost seems like the Ohio State coach at this point. <laughs> and he says, here's the exact quote, keep the ball in front of you. Don't give up the big play. Without core, Michigan can't run. No more zero coverage. That's an exact quote from, that's exactly what Myers said. And then, as Brian points out, they sort of go that way at, at the beginning of the third quarter. All of a sudden, they're a little more conservative with their safeties, and Michigan just goes back to 2021. And, it, it, you know, it didn't, it, it still, it didn't work for them. So two things. I, I think Brian's for the point you made earlier, Brian, about this is who they are. Okay, so they thought on fourth and two, the wide delay is going to be there. But it's fourth and freaking two. Can you imagine an Urban Meyer team no. calling a wide delay yeah, on fourth um, and two? Can you imagine um, the JT Barrett team? Any JT Barrett team. Like, that's, a, that's an automatic conversion. I remember that feeling. The, it was a desperate feeling. Mm -hmm. of You just can't get these guys off the field because on any – third and three they're just going to run it twice and you can't stop jt barrett twice for less than three yards and the one time you did they gave it to him anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah it's a totally different identity as their offense and we talked about this on our podcast like it felt like when they went from jt barrett to an nfl passing game when michigan had don brown they were way ahead in the metagame and now michigan has a defense that's set up to defend what Ohio State does, and they have an, an offense that is very difficult for an Ohio State team to really sim, and they've given up this huge advantage that they had on third down. It feels like Michigan is ahead tactically, and we're going to see how that develops over the next couple of years. These things aren't static, obviously, but just in terms of like who I would want to be in a world where talent is equal, there's no question about that right now. Yeah, to, your, to your point, Craig, you said they went less zero coverage. They still ran a lot of. This is a looking at at Al's charting. He said, I mean, they they've been a 60, 60 to seventy seventy percent zone, zone team. team, and so then they still come out even not zero. They're still running yeah. a a huge amount of cover one, and it's yeah, like, they, what are you what are you yeah. doing? To Urban Meyer's point, keep everything in front of you. They yeah. never made that adjustment. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, they did. They became call it more a little more conservative on defense there is some cover two in the third quarter a, cu a couple of instances but yeah it's mostly cover one i didn't think there's much cover zero though they probably had a couple on the run plays late and uh but yeah they i'm not sure what they were doing i think seth and brian's point on the on their podcast was a really really good one about uh michigan going with nfl dcs uh, because Ohio State is in this sort of passing spread that a lot of NFL teams uh, seem to be at, seem to be at, and so they went out and they got McDonald, and then they got Minder, and Michigan defensively seemed much more comfortable uh, in the last couple of years since Don Brown dealing uh, in their defense, uh, dealing with that sort of offense. Well, I mean, how much pressure did get Michigan get in this game? Almost none. none. Almost none. And they, they rush four and they drop seven. And mm -hmm. there's this, these plays where Stroud's sitting in the pocket for three or four seconds. And I'm like, well, here it comes. And he can't find anybody. He's got to roll out and try to make something. And that's not his strength. But the sheer number of, of plays on which he's got a clean pocket and can't make any yards out of it is incredible. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I mean, have, Michigan had I've not him. been blessed with all 22. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I imagine that those coverage schemes were. Very on point. Uh, I mean, Michigan was really good at figuring out by alignment what his first read was going to be. And when you take away Stroud's first read, his uh, this is a thing Ohio State bloggers have been talking about uh, for two years now, that you take away his first read and he's like he, he's not nearly as good. He wants that first thing to be open. Now, taking that away is really difficult, but Michigan was really good at it. A couple of those times, this is how conservative Michigan was at the, uh, on, uh, on their rush. One of them was a screen that everybody bails after the screen. So, like, yeah. he, they, they have a rush, and, like, everyone goes after the screen guy. Harold's like, hey, I've got the guy, man. Just go sack him. And and then, like, all the DTs are over at the, the screener. So then he's, like, running around, and it's, it's just Stroud and 
Upshaw all of a sudden. He kind of runs out of bounds for five yards. But yeah, the coverage on everybody else downfield, I I don't think that they were prepared to have big, big long scramble drills against in it like they thought Michigan was going to bring pressure they thought they were going to have you know guys coming from every which way and when they did when Michigan did actually bring one of those amoeba blitzes we've been talking about all year and we're like that's what Minter does that's what the Ravens do right that was, that was like this theme we were always talking about um the few times Michigan did it Ohio State was really prepared for it they they actually did a really good job of getting those blocked up so I think that's probably where their practice time went was let's Get prepared for all the different kind of looks that Michigan's going to bring. Let's think about where all the guys are. Let's get those those squared up. And they did a great job at that. They did not uh, prepare really just for, like, Michigan playing their base, cover two defense. Let's, you know, put your guys out there. And they, they didn't really try to get to him. There was another time, too, where uh, Derek Moore um, – like bails after the running back when the running back leaves the uh, leaves the pocket. Like Michigan was just not giving him options to throw to, and a couple times he hit comeback routes, and that was it. It was taking away his first read, which was the big deal. You know Huge. something Brian touched on. On Ohio State came out and did something. They they ran a, a lot of three by one formations with four wide receivers with three on one side, and then they would run back to the weak side away from the three wide receivers. And Michigan, it seemed, had overshifted to the to the side. So uh, Ohio State had a numbers advantage back to the weak side. But they see, did they get away from that, in your they opinion? Did. They did. I, mean, I thought that was working great for them, and they seemed to get away from it. you know what? It. You know why? Yeah, I'm no. convinced. That's Urban Meyer stuff. You know, at the end of the day, you – you you revert to who you are. And what we saw in those first, that's not Ohio State. That's not them. And so, of course, they're not going to stick with it. Of course, they're going to want to throw it around the yard. Of course, they're going to want to go wide delay on fourth and two, right? And you got Urban Meyer trying to will them to be the, the physical version of Ohio State that he had. And they just that's just not who they are. And when push no, they... comes to shove, you can, you can impose your will on Ohio State. And that's what Michigan did once again. And it just it just manifests more early in this game, in the passing game. Eventually it morphed over to the to the running game, too. I want to get more from you guys. We'll get some of the some of the uh comments from the people and questions from the people as well. We'll look at the Big Ten championship game, get your takes on that, and much more. We'll return MGO Blog Roundtable on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA, the ticket. Clear on the radio. Spot on, Craig. Spot on. Hundred percent. They were having some success, and it wasn't. It wasn't physical as much as it was. They were. Michigan was not getting lined up appropriately yeah. in those instances. So why wouldn't you go back to that? I have no they idea. Seen, they got away from it, and it seemed to be very successful early. So I don't know. No idea. Yeah, so. I, I, they they had a couple plays, man. Where I was like, oh, they got us. They got us, and. There was one that Samer still just like saved our bacon. Uh, not not obviously the, the the pass breakup. There was one where Michigan like is in a tight formation. And they got Roller out there, and when you play tight, your middle linebacker. I know this is a little too much for radio, but people aren't on the radio right now anyway. Uh, the um, middle linebacker is actually more of a slot player, and Roller doesn't get out in the slot. He's inside, and the tackle actually gets down and blocks him, and it's like. Well, that's the key guy. That's the that's the force player to bring everything in again. And they're outside and um you get a tight end coming down on Sainer still and Sainer still like sets up outside the tight end, jumps inside and gets the running back down. They only get like 8 yards on second uh first and 15 or something. And that was like I think Michigan got them off the field that drive too. So it was like, wow, that was there were a lot of little moments like that and if that <laughs> if you're saying Irwin Meyer gave those to him, man, like I, I don't now know. That's a that's a guess, that's speculation. But it's not just mine. Uh, it Vance, who he man, I work with Urban. He said this is like this Urban Meyer stuff right here. See, can I prove that unequivocally? No, but <clears throat> this looks more like Urban Meyer to me than Ryan Day, and I buy that because yeah. why wouldn't you stay with that? Why wouldn't you stay with it when it's working? Uh, I couldn't figure out why they got away from it, and you know when they went two by two, it was about ninety five percent pass plays, uh, and so I don't know. You know, it, it seemed like the Michigan defense by the end was figuring out exactly what they were doing based on where the wide receivers were. Yeah, not that I want to try to 
figure out how to make Ohio State better, but I think they do too much. I, I think they are a poor <coughs> especially when you consider look at Michigan without Mike Morris, right? Mm-hmm. Think about think about other than Mike Saint Ristol, after Mike Saint Ristol, who to me was the star defensively, you're talking about Braden McGregor and mm-hmm. Jalen Harrell being the being the you know playmaker, game changing defensive play guys. Braden McGregor and Jalen Harrell. I'm like, man, <laughs> if that doesn't say it all to you, I don't know what does. I hope Jalen Harrell is saying, the hell with you, Seth Fisher. The hell with your stupid science. No, no, no. He was circles. in on it. He was in on it. <laughs> he, he knew what I was doing. He knew I was baiting Ohio State and attacking him all game. <laughs> and it worked. So, it worked, Jalen. We did it. <laughs> I just looked this up. Ohio State's given up more 40-yard passes than anyone in the Big Ten this year. Wow. And they're only better than Indiana thirty plus. And they're second back on radio in one minute, guys. One minute. You gotta second. say that when we come back on, Brian. Yeah. They're second yeah. in the league at preventing ten yard passes. So this is like a denominator issue, right? Like if you're Michigan State and you can't defend anything, then you're gonna give up some big plays. Ohio State is second in the league at preventing ten yard passes and dead last and forty and close to dead last and thirty plus. Yeah, man. That's it's who a they great are. stat. It's a great stat. <laughs> And again, I knew they were bad. I didn't know they were that bad. Didn't know they were that bad. So. I got uh, some uh, people calling me, telling me that Matt Ishby is trying to protect his investment in Mel Tucker and is bringing a dump truck full of money to Dante Moore's door. Is that? I mean, well, is I anybody else? That? I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if uh, you know they're coming at him with some huge NIL opportunity. But uh, to me, that was always on the table for him he's committed or Michigan State he's committed to Oregon about 10 seconds guys I mean they can compete right you're gonna out NIL Oregon I don't think so yeah and we are back on the radio in five four three and we are back folks here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com here on the MGO Vlog Roundtable so Brian you gave a stat in the break about the Ohio State defense to I think is worthy of repeating. So Ohio State's second in the league at preventing 10-yard passes. They've given up 73 10-yard passes. Only Iowa's better in the league. They are worst in the conference at 40-yard pass passes allowed, second to last and 30-plus behind in front of only Indiana. So you can see the outlines of what they do. They're very aggressive. They're very tough to get those first 10 yards, but on the back end, it's just a, it's just a cluster. Right, and they have pro guys. That's the thing. I don't you know, think so. All the talk about so, Michigan's pro guys. They got pro guys. I mean, not in that secondary. Late, I didn't late see that. No, no, no. I'm talking about going pro. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not talking. <laughs> well, let me be clear. I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about pro coaches on the back end. And it's yeah. not helping. Like, if you combine these two teams, is anyone in Ohio State secondary on the field? No. N-O. <laughs> yeah, that's probably so, true. And uh, to think. They were indignant when I said Illinois has a better defense than Ohio State. Craig said, I mean, uh, Seth said, that's you saying that, not me. And probably anticipating how Ohio State was going to respond. But it was true. Way to go, that they, that they didn't realize it was true is what's so amazing to me. And maybe they just hadn't watched Illinois, but they had this inflated view of what their defense was heading into this game. I, I think they have some serious misgivings now. Which begs a question before we talk about the Big Ten Championship game, guys. How much heat is on Ryan Day? I know I've asked you guys this question before. It was a hypothetical. At that point, they lose this game. Would he be on the hot seat? But the manner in which they lost this game, Brian, I mean, the the natives seem restless down there in Columbus. I mean, you got Joe Rexroad, who's now a beat writer for the Tennessee Titans, making the case for Mike Vrabel to Ohio State. So you can take the Michigan State beat writer out of Lansing, but he's still the same guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so no i mean i think that they're not gonna fire him this year but if he loses in ann arbor next year even if he's 11 and 1 i mean they're gonna get so spooked about john cooper stuff that they're gonna ax him isn't uh isn't ryan 45 and 5 yes he is Mm -hmm. something like that it's hard for me to figure out how you can fire a coach who's won what is that 90 percent of his games i mean look at the uh, way they played look at the the way that they played michigan would have been a great game plan for just torching the 
crap out of Rutgers. And everybody gets involved, and everyone feels like they got their plays in, and everyone gets to celebrate, and you get your fourth and two pass to your tight end, and he gets to run for a whole bunch afterwards, and, and everyone feels so happy afterwards. The running backs get some big, long carries. That was a great game plan. They could, they could take that game plan every single week, and that's what they did. Every single week, they ran the same kind of stuff. Now, they're, yes, they had a few things for Michigan, and like the defense was a different deal, but their offense is they have great talent. They can go and get yards when they need to. They're going to get some big plays, and it's going to get on the highlight reels. But when you go and watch the games, they look like this every single week. So you say, like, how are they going to get better? Are they going to get better talent? They've got the best possible talent they can get. Every one of these guys is, like, a top 300, and a lot of them are, like, top 10 players in their classes. So, like, I, how do you get any better from what Ohio State is right now? Well, I think, you know... Sam's point about they just went away from the running game is is where it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like coaches revert to who they are. So uh, Lo- Lloyd Carr was going to punt in a lot of situations that made me want to die, and sometimes he'd like be like, "All right, we're not going to do that anymore," and then eventually he would kind of slide back to being Lloyd Carr. And Brian Day wants to be tough and and wants to come out and rough and tumble, and I think they what, uh, second half they maybe ran the ball three times or something. And C.J. Stroud, he has zero designed runs in this game. Zero. Even Dwayne Haskins ran the ball against Michigan. Dwayne Haskins was infamous for not never running the ball. And he got the ball five or six times because he was playing for Urban Meyer. And even if you have an NFL passing game, if you're an Urban Meyer quarterback, you're going to run the ball. And we see how that deforms defenses. And for C.J. Stroud to completely omit that from his game when – you know, he had a 44-yard carry against Northwestern when they really needed him to. He That's a possibility for him, but he just doesn't want to get hit. And Ryan Day doesn't want to make him get hit. And I feel like I think it's baked in right now. And if I was an Ohio State fan, I would probably want to fire Ryan Day because I don't see – I mean, you just see who he is. And do, do, do guys change that much? Well, probably not. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think – I don't think – and I'm curious what you guys think about this. This is just the feel I get from talking to coaches. Your physicality as a team, as a program and as a team, is dictated by what you are on offense. You, they all say, every coach I talk to say, the level of physicality on your defense is contingent upon what you are on offense. If you are a finesse offensive team, you're going to be a finesse defensive team. So the notion that they can find physicality without changing, you know, tangibly, what they are, what they do offensively, I think is is why all this talk about them being more physical last offseason was a it was farcical. You can't be more physical if you aren't going to be more physical on offense. If, if Michigan had a matchup like they had with Paris Johnson versus Braden McGregor most of this game, Michigan would have just run off that edge all day. That's what we do, right? They, you get a physical advantage because that's what Michigan thinks about. That's what they look at. That's what they practice. And they say, okay, we're winning right here. Let's, let's go and do this, right? If, they had a, if you get Zach Zinner on a, on a tiny defensive end, you know Michigan's game plan's easy to find, right? Okay, look, that's where we're going right there. Um, the, they didn't take advantage of that. And that's, I mean, that's where you guys are very right. And, like, that's what's coming out in the, in the defensive charting, which I'm sorry I'm not finished with yet. But, yeah, they had that all game. And they're just not taking – I mean, they were winning that, that block all game, and they just weren't going back to it. And I think it just goes back to, like, how Day coaches his, and how he built his program is everybody in, we're all going to run an NFL offense. In an NFL offense, everybody's a superstar. Everybody is great. And – you have a couple of guys who are just matchup problems, and you can go at that a few times, but you also spread the ball around because everybody is a professional. Everyone's here to get their share. And I think that was just the – they can't take that out of the offense because that's their identity. Their identity is yeah. we're all here to, like, play some pro football and then go play pro football. Well, I mean, it does feel like uh, Ohio State via Stroud had made business decisions here. Uh, about Stroud and that he wasn't really going to run the ball very often or ever. And the if you, I have a paper in my 
files of papers uh, written by Urban Meyer when he was a young coach. And one of the things he says in this paper is, do not go into a spread offense if your quarterback is not going to run the ball. He said, if your quarterback isn't going to run the ball, if he's not adept at running the ball, this is not a good offense for you. Find something else. And here we are with Ryan Day running a, a spread offense with a quarterback who either can't or isn't or, is, or they've made a business decision for him not to run the ball. Um, so it, in this sense, it didn't feel very uh, Urban Meyer-ish to me. That's a reason. You know, Urban Meyer was a spread-to-run guy. He ran mm-hmm. gap scheme stuff mm-hmm. from a spread. His his quarterbacks were most often, you know, running backs that could throw. Right. Kind of. Right. And so that's not Ryan Day. Ryan Day is a basketball on grass guy. And that that's fine. You know, it, it can win it. I think that can win a championship for sure. Uh, the, the setting it's one in, in the South and in the West can certainly win that. The problem is you're in the Big Ten, Ryan Day. And when Michigan isn't man enough to challenge your lack of physicality, you can coast through. But that's not it's not that way anymore. Now you got to have some physical element to contend with Michigan. And I don't see it around the corner, Brian. I mean, and so that's why Ryan Day, I mean, that's why Urban Meyer is on at halftime. Like, man, I gave you guys the game plan at the beginning. <laughs> You got away from it. Yeah, they got the he commercial where he's handing in the controller. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it's a it's a situation where you got to decide whether you're locked into a guy who is performing at a better level than basically anybody else in college football, but has lost two games and lost in <laughs> ways that are, you know, not thoroughly encouraging. And I think. Not even Ohio State is crazy enough to pull the trigger now, but right. given the legacy of John Cooper, they're not going to be in for that. So Ryan Dale will be coaching for his job the next year in the game. So Seth, Purdue, let's talk about the Boiler Bakers. Scare me, scare us, scare the people about Purdue. Um, Brown knows what he's doing, man. He's a he's a smart coach. Uh, they got Ronnie English over there, a defensive coordinator. I know that doesn't scare a lot of Michigan fans. Um, but uh, he's he's actually uh, in the last couple of years because that defense was kind of a tro- was becoming atrocious except for Carlaftis, and I think he gave them structure and he gave them a little bit more aggressiveness. Uh, they 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 play kind of a five one. It's like a four three under, but they t- they took out a linebacker, so it's it's a little weird uh, defense to, to look at nowadays. Um, but the thing that scares me most is that they'll put the ball up one on one and. We've seen Michigan cornerbacks, even when they're in phase, even when they're in perfect coverage, just lose a one-on-one battle, right? And Purdue loves to look for those kinds of matchups. That's that's what their their offense is getting those one-on-one matchups downfield. Or if you're going to cover those, then they're just going to hit you with, um, you know, they're going to gash you underneath. Their tight end is a big part of their passing game. He's really good. So I that. That that's where they can hit us, right? They're they're I mean Purdue's really good at what they're good at. They don't have very much explosion in their offense at all. They need to drive the field, they need to, you know, have extended drives to score. And Michigan has been very good at at restricting those kind of teams to field goals. Now it's indoors, so there won't be any weather issues for their passing game. But they're really, really heavily dependent on Charlie Jones. The Iowa transfer he has ninety seven catches this year. Um, and not a physically overwhelming guy, you know, about six foot and a former Iowa receiver, very good, but I kind of feel like Michigan is going to be able to stick with him. And then, uh, their running back is Devin Mockaby, who's a former walk-on who actually looks like a pretty solid player, but again, former walk-on doesn't have a lot of explosion. Isn't going to be a guy who, uh, rips off a, 80-yard touchdown. So Michigan is going to have their opportunities to get this team off the field. Yeah, I. Um, the interesting thing about Purdue to me is pretty much every game they've played has been really close. I mean, they had, um, they've had five close wins, two, against Mar- two points against Maryland, two points against Florida Atlantic, uh, six Nebraska, eight, 17 to nine against Northwestern. Uh, and they're really only 
two, their biggest win was Indiana by 14 and Minnesota by 10. On the other hand, they lost close to Syracuse, Penn State, Wisconsin. Uh, every game seems to be close, except I think for the Iowa game where they, they won by three touchdowns. And uh, so I, I guess the scary thing about them is, is they seem to play everyone, everyone fairly closely uh numbers wise uh i my numbers are about the same as the as the line 16 17 points and that assumes their quarterback is playing is he playing i don't know you, uh, they, they, they expect him to they expect him to okay so the thing that's scary to me about, about purdue is that their rushing defense doesn't make a lick of sense <laughs> and why so, is that scary because <laughs> they gave up 47 yards to minnesota they gave up 98 yards to Penn State. They gave up 102 yards to Illinois. That, those are three really good performances. That's three yards, three yards, and 1.8 yards a carry. And then they play Wisconsin, and they get ripped. They play Iowa. They gave up 5.3 yards a carry. They play Indiana. They gave up 215 rushing yards. So whatever Purdue is doing means they suck against terrible rush offenses and are very good against great rush offenses. And that's the scariest thing about Purdue. Oh, have you? Do you have any? Run English. <laughs> do you have any explanation for that? Because I have. I have to admit, I haven't. It's been run English. Purdue. It's run. That's what he always do. He changes his defense based off of who he's playing. And well, I think everybody yeah. does that, Seth. But it's a very strange you, pattern that you're you're seeing here. So he plays with one linebacker against teams where he really respects the rush, and he tries to jam them up and brings those safeties down. And if he plays like that, when he, when he doesn't respect the rush and he just wants to sit back, and this is what he was doing against Indiana, is he had all, all of his defensive backs were sitting back. He's playing 5-1. And it's like, and he did this against Penn State, too, early in the beginning of the year. That was the other game where it was like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Um, but, like, you know, it, that works. We saw that, I mean, Michigan played the same way against Michigan State last year. It works except for when they break you. So that's, that's my explanation. Yeah, I wonder what what uh their personnel you know what what kind of personnel they have uh at the linebacker spot uh you know they they had a really good one a couple of years ago place for the lions now Derek barnes mm. they they had george carloff this last year and that's why when i was talking to him in the off season and he said we can win the west i'm like man what do you have defensively uh that makes you think you can win the west <laughs> right here. Maybe he well, just do something about the West. Well, two things they had were uh, they didn't play Ohio State and they didn't play Michigan. That you know on their schedule, and that certainly certainly make that prognosis a little more likely. They've got uh, so their two linebackers are they're both small guys. Um, Jalen Graham is the one who like they'll bring him down and basically make him a defensive end, and I think that's probably the best way to play him because he's not a great reader. But you tell him like. You, go get Gap. He'll go get Gap. Um, the other guy's an Auburn transfer, OC Brothers, and he's kind of like the weak spot of their defense, I think. Mm. I mean, if you, look, if you look at their line yards and stuff, they're pretty mediocre. And that's yeah. without having played either Michigan or Ohio State at this juncture in the season. So they have a lot of blitzes. They can get after you on, on third and long. Um but you're also a little bit vulnerable to the run on third and long. And usually that's not something I would bring up, <laughs> but we've seen Michigan be very willing to run the ball in third and medium situations. And I think this is a situation where you might see the same. I mean, for Michigan, we don't really know exactly who's going to play in this game. I assume quorum will be out. Edwards will probably be available in some fashion, but still limited. And so like, I think you're going to see a lot of it put on McCarthy again. And, I think we feel a lot better about that after last week, but it's still something that Michigan has not done a lot of this year. Yeah. The words pretty mediocre really resonate for me because I took their 56 nothing win over Indiana State out uh, and then just averaged the scores over their schedule. And they uh, scored 26 points a game and gave up 25 and a half points a game. So, I mean, you know, pretty much – you know, that, that's pretty much where they're at. Now, one thing that no one mentioned, or at least I didn't hear it about uh, Donovan Edwards. I mean, he's right-handed, I assume. And and he, he played this entire game left-handed. He carried the ball left-handed and seemed re reasonably comfortable at that. I mean, uh, that's not something Maybe. that's... But it took him a minute. It took him a minute to get comfortable with that. Is that right? You can see him thinking yeah. about it. Uh-huh. 
early in the game, concentrating on handling the football and protecting the hand. And in that, that series that, that Brian uh, brought up when they left, I mean, two back-to-back plays, huge running plays left on the field. I think that was the moment where they said, whatever Donovan can give us, we got to we, we go with him. And you saw him. He Fortunately, he got more comfortable. He was able to exploit those openings. And then Purdue, I thought Ron caught a really good game against Penn State, and guys just couldn't freaking tackle. I mean, if they make one tackle in that game, uh, then I think they could beat Penn State. And then the Syracuse game, I remember watching that game. They they got all those penalties uh, at the end of the game. that gave Syracuse a chance to win it in the end. And so um, the, his defense clearly has gotten worse early in the season. I thought they were actually doing pretty decent. Either way, they're going to get rolled in this game, guys. This is the, the part where I ask you how you think this is going to play out, ask you to pick the game. Do any of you think this game is going to be close? Let's start with you, Brian. No, I mean, this is a team that's probably going to put up nine to 19 points with a lot of field goals and Michigan should be able to grind them down. And, uh, you know, all due respect to the Boilermakers, but they did beat Nebraska by six points and gave up 37 points to them. So uh, whichever, whichever Michigan players are available should be enough to ease past Purdue. Seth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Michigan, I'm sure is not going to overlook Purdue, but I am, uh, they're just, they're, they're banged up a little bit too right now. Um, I don't know if one of their uh, their defensive linemen, who's kind of a key uh, player for the defense, if he's out, they can just get shoved around, and it probably won't matter which running backs back there. I would like to see Michigan kind of use this opportunity to get JJ going. You know, like it's been a we we had a few hard weeks, and then the Ohio State game was great, but like you know there were, there's only so much you have to do to throw to you know Cornelius Johnson when he's wide open, and Roman Wilson is also wide open downfield. Um, this is a good defense to kind of get that that practice in. Greg, real yeah. quick. Yeah, I'd just like to see some Davis Warren in uh, the latter <laughs> latter parts of this game. And I, I agree. I think this is a game Michigan should win fairly handily. That'll do it for us, folks. Another great edition of the MGO Blog Roundtable. Again, remember to join us live from the Slippery Noodle. Keep on counting on the kickoff on Saturday, 4 until 7. We're going to do our live show down there in Indianapolis again. Hope to see you there. That'll do it for the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050. WTK, the ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, Accumulus Station. game we are yeah good i guarantee it